Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Z episodes. The twilight, if you will, Z. of Weird Drunken Wit. Fuck off. What? Z. <laughs> Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. The Z episodes of Weird Drunken Wit. No things. This month. Well, this month. We're indulging ourselves a little bit. There was no poll. There was no point. It's true. It was, there were literally like three films. And I'm, God help me, I'm not spending an hour on Zoolander. Uh, and apparently somebody doesn't like Zulu. No, I don't. No, I don't. Not sure why. It's cr- super racist. Well, yes, but it was over time. <laughs> it was epic. Anyway. Oh, that's okay. So it was trying for the will. <laughs> we're, we're heading back to the late 60s. Going to get our psychedelia on. And we're going to yes. try and hunt down a serial killer in San Francisco. This BTK. month on We're Drunk and We Know Things. <laughs> Z is for Zodiac. Dun dun dun! That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. So yeah, so the end of a long road. And the beginning of a new one. 26. Is he doing that Jersey thing where the road just changes halfway along (laughs) for no reason? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the same road. It's the um, parish lines. It's not even that. No, it's frequently not. Is it really not? You know, Hill Street, Mulcaster Street. It's just one road. So you know I can only work off of pub landmarks. I don't know the names of roads. Chambers. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. There you go. Um, That's incredibly inclusive for all the people who aren't from Jersey. <laughs> yeah, they totally thank get God. Yeah, Jersey has this thing where roads randomly change name halfway along. It's true, they do. For no reason. There's got to be a re- Anyway, right. Zodiac. We're doing Zodiac, for we Christ's sake. Let's talk about San Francisco, 1968. San Francisco, 1968. It's actually made in 2007. But anyway, uh, San Francisco, 1968, this geezer starts off him, motherfuckers. And making it real gangster and swearing loads while surrounding with children in this bar. Yeah, there's uh, the lunch crowds in. So if you hear, if it sounds like we're in a kindergarten, we're really not. <laughs> Why um, would you even say that? <laughs> because it sounds like we're in a kindergarten. Yeah, a little bit, okay, yeah. So I'm going to say bananas an awful lot instead of the F word. Oh, fudge. <laughs> oh, flippity This could be the cleanest episode of We're Drunk Indeed, and We Know Things yeah, Ever. Exactly, yeah. So, um, right, let's crack on. So the movie opens. We open on a lake. No, we don't. We open with an awesome digital shot. This is gonna, this is a nearly three hour long film, so the plot summary is going to take at least that long. <sighs> the opening shot is a lovely digital camera shot out of the side of a car driving along a suburban road in Viejo City uh, in San Francisco um, and it's a woman who's cheating on her husband with, with a young boy. Long story short, they go to the lake. They're gonna fuck. But they don't because they get murdered. Yeah. And then like rinse and repeat, basically. Um, There's an inkling that she might know who kills her. She, she does, yes. Oh, well, we don't know that at that point. Well, we, that, that's, and that's in two and a half There's a really hours. creepy song by Donovan playing in the background. I love the hurdy-gurdy man. <laughs> yeah. I love the hurdy-gurdy man. We will come to the soundtrack later, but I just want to say outright, it is legit. Yeah. So, so good. But anyway. Right. So, essentially, I'm not going to tell the entire story about Zodiac. Really? I'm also not going to rehash the whole case, because that isn't what this podcast is about. It's about the film. Well, hang on. Yeah, you should listen to the podcast Monster, which is amazing, and this season is about Zodiac. If you want to know all the ins and outs of because this Zodiac is case. this is based on a real thing, right? Yes, this of is course not it's fiction. Yes. yes, it's based on a book that was yeah. written by 
uh, Robert Graysmith, who is uh, portrayed uh, by Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon. So, so all right, let, let me let me get some of the, right, pre- go, the preamble go, go, go. out the way, and then we'll talk about the writing of it because it is really, really interesting. So, it's made in 2007, 65 million dollar budget, only made 85 million, which is insane. It's in the black, but barely. Um, written by James Vanderbilt, who also wrote such movie, movies as Independence Day Resurgence and The Meg. I'm going to pull you up on this again. Adapted by James Vanderbilt. Yes, of course. Yes. But it, all of his movies are like The Meg and then Zodiac. So I feel like Fincher might have had a hand in this. It was nominated for the Palme d'Or at Cannes, but did not win. Why not? Uh, can't think of anything funny. Just something else won instead. That'll do. All right. <laughs> um, what one? Um... Dancers with Wolves. Are you lying? No, Dancers with Wolves beat God, uh, Goodfellas for Best Picture at the Oscars, though. Oh, yeah, what a kick in the nuts! That's gonna sting. Well, we have a friend, and I won't say his name, but who agrees with that. What agrees the- with Dancers with Wolves is better than Goodfellas. I say friend. Anyway, so Fincher was originally going to make a Black Dahlia miniseries, a five-hour miniseries with film stars, written by James Elroy. Right. Right. Now that didn't happen. Now I like this film. I think I prefer a five-hour miniseries by James Elroy, directed by David Fincher, about the Black Dahlia. But there's always yeah. hope for the second season of Mindhunter, but still. Um, highly recommend any James Elroy book. Of course, Fincher's background, later. he did a lot of TV before he started doing Fincher A lot films, of TV right? and a lot of music videos, and then he did... He did a lot of music videos. A lot of music videos, uh, which is why he knows um, uh, Trent Reznor and all that kind of Trent stuff. Reznor, yeah. Yeah. Madonna, he did, he did Vogue. <laughs> he directed a video for Vogue. You know, strike a pose. See, just to be completely clear, dear listener, I'm now staring at you straight down the microphone, which doesn't really work. Yeah, intense. But if anybody is in, in any doubt at all as to the um, the provenance of Fincher as a director of pretty much anything, he directed Vogue. <laughs> he then went on to make a whole bunch of other stuff. He made Alien 3 and then said, I'm never making films again. I'm going to make music videos and commercials instead. And he, and he did for a very, very long time. Um, but we'll come to my masturbatory love of David Fincher a little bit later. He was actually a child. Can we not come to it? Can he he was, a, he was actually it? a child. Who? David Fincher. When? In San Francisco when the murders were taking place. Oh, right. Okay, that makes more sense. I feel like I phrased that badly. <laughs> he was actually a child. It's a um, Benjamin Button situation, which is ironic, considering explain, he later did. does explain yeah. the budget. Yeah. Because, yes. frankly, nap time, when you're yeah, on the clock, yeah. that's expensive. So, he was, anyway, he was a child in San Francisco when the murders were taking place, and his um, bus, school bus was followed around for three weeks by a police car. So they're like a police escort. After the Zodiac letter saying, you know, the bouncing babies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So apparently he said to his dad, like, why is the police car there? And his dad, who was a very pull-no-punches person, said... Oh, there's this serial killer called the Zodiac who um, said he was going to kill a load of kids. kids. Yeah, when they're coming off a school bus. Sleep tight. Yeah, and, and, and have fun it, at school. And then this man went on to make Fight Little Club in Seven, shockingly. So yeah. yeah. So when he um, took on the project, uh, he had said to James Vanderbilt, um, "Your script is bullshit. Totally rewrite it with Robert Graysmith." And so they did. So what they did was they re-interviewed every witness that was still alive the mayors of the San Francisco towns, the surviving victims of Zodiac, who were creative consultants, Dave Tosky, who was played by Mark Ruffalo, who was the main, um, investiga- main investigator, main detective investigator, um, and, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, good Lord, need a cough button, where their stories didn't line up, or after that amount of time they couldn't remember, they used the police reports. So everything in, every fact about the case, so I should, we should point out that 
there are certain liberties taken by the filmmaker in this movie. Like Robert Graysmith and Paul Avery didn't know each other. They weren't friends. Robert Graysmith, um, that's Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Robert Downey Jr. They didn't know each other. Some of it is embellished about which code got directed where, so the codes will get, get delivered to the Chronicle oh, in the film. Oh, slow up, because we're now we're going off the deep end, and we haven't... Right, I'm going to do a... Um, Intervention. I'm, I'm going to do a two-minute run-through of the plot of this film. Okay. Because otherwise, if you haven't seen it, and it's very possible that people haven't and th- seen but it. But this one, in this one, of all of our, of all of our podcasts, this is one where you right. really need to have watched the film yes. first. <laughs> so, uh, late 1960s, we have the Zodiac Killer on the loose. He kills a couple uh, at the lake. He killed yep. a couple at Christmas prior. Yep. Um, and he then sends uh, notification in via the press to three San yep. Francisco newspapers. But we're, we're focusing, the film focuses on the San Francisco Chronicle. Yep. Where but Robert there are Grace two others works. Yep. don't show Examiner up. and the Beat. Um, and he sends them a cipher, a yep. code, yep. that they have to publish or he will kill again. Yep. And it is eventually then broken to turn out to be a load of complete gibberish. Yeah, yeah. It's like some manifesto. As a result, we have two characters at the Chronicle. Yeah. Uh, we have the two detectives who are working the original case yep. and then start to join up yep. and they all get a little bit obsessed by yep. finding who this person is. And it essentially ruins all their lives. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, they chase him through the years. Through like 10 years. A bunch of different uh, letters, a bunch yep. of different crimes and what have Marked you. with incredible music cues. Yep. It's so good how they mark the passage of time through how Dave Tosky dresses and the music cues. So good. And... What we actually end up with, bearing in mind this is a real-life thing, so they couldn't yep. just tie it all up with a bow, mm. is a very unsatisfactory, very realistic yeah. uh, movie where they have a suspect, but yeah. it doesn't quite work. There's a whole well, bunch of work done on handwriting analysis yeah. and what have you, but it doesn't quite match. Yeah. Nothing sticks. Yeah. Uh, and it gets to the point where Dave Tosky, the lead detective on the mm. case, has been moved off it, finally, and has yeah. moved on with his life, apparently. Yeah. Um, the cartoonist... Robert Graysmith, who, who wrote Graysmith, the novels that they're, they're, they're based who on. Who actually was so obsessed with this that yeah he wrote the book that really the, resulted I've, in the I've movie. read both the books because I read both the books after I saw this film initially and they are two of the most information packed badly written books yeah. I have ever read in my he life he got access to all the police files because <laughs> yeah. by this point it's pretty much a cold case yeah yeah it was yeah. and according to the film anyway eventually what they managed to arrive at is a conclusion that never goes to court mm. it's never proven yeah but lends a degree of closure. Mountains of circumstantial evidence, which is Huge which is all true. So, so on that point, so then, that's kind of the basic summary. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of various different events, all of which are real. Yeah. Uh, so the killings that happen at Christmas, the killings that happen at the lake, the lady yeah. with the baby. Yeah, yeah. That's all legit. That is harrowing. Uh, and actually, Ooh, that is harrowing. The threat against the school bus, the uh, following on letters, and what have you. Mm. All of the fact, and, and to be honest, the fact that the attributed body count to the Zodiac killer is quite low. It's like four. Yeah, but, but he says thirty-seven. He terrorizes these individuals yeah. through their obsession, Absolutely. and that is all captured, wrapped up, put in a nice bundle, yeah. and tied with a black ribbon by David Fincher. So that was, there so you that, go. That's your summary. Thank, thank Crack you. On. Thank you. So, so to that point, then to, to what I was saying before, it just makes more sense now that you've done that. There are certain liberties taken with things like relationships and where codes were delivered, but all evidential evidence bad. All evidence is either from directly from witnesses that they've re- re-examined, and where their stories didn't line up, they went back to the police reports. So it they is, had access to all of the police reports. To be honest, I assume that it's it near was all based on Grace Smith's book, which I've scanned yeah. but not read. Right. Yeah. On the basis that it is so detail-driven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so it's his yeah, story. So they actually went back and went just back. double-checked everything. So pre-production for this movie was like three years. They employed private detectives to track down the previous victims to find them and say, we're making this movie. It's essentially building a case. Because Fincher said if he's going to essentially accuse someone posthumously, as he does Arthur Lee Allen in this film, he needs to make damn sure that he's not like besmirching an innocent man's name. So this is near as damn it there, not only Robert Graysmith's conclusion, but also David Fincher's conclusion. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. I mean, nobody's done this, like, James Elroy's done it with the Dahlia, but other than really, I mean, this is, I mean, it's, it's near also, as damn I mean, it. You come to the end of the movie, and granted, you're watching it through somebody else's lens, but it's also the watcher's conclusion. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fairly early on. So when they finished doing all this um, research and re-interviewing and everything, um, they gave it to Robert Graysmith and said, um, what do you think? And he said, uh, God, now I can see why my wife left me. <laughs> Which is fair. Second wife. Yeah, second. You'd, yeah, you'd already broken up with this first one. Second <laughs> wife, yeah. So, um, when they wrote the script, they took it to MGM, and MGM said, we'd love to make it, but it can't be more than two hours, because all it is is a room, it's loads of rooms of guys talking. There were the murder scenes, right? But then the vast majority of this oh, film no, this- is people sat in the booths and diners, and this is not a complaint. This is not a complaint. This is an observation. It is dudes sat around talking. There's a scene where they're trying to explain why they need a warrant, and it's three guys sat around a speakerphone for 15 minutes running through a list of circumstantial evidence. Talking to somebody who isn't, but sounds a lot like Napoleon... (laughs) He does sound like Robert Vaughan. Napoleon Solo, yeah. Um, Unless you were going to say Napoleon Bonaparte. I was going to say Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No. Yeah. It it sounds like Robert Vaughan, it's not. So eventually MGM passed, and Paramount and Warner Brothers co-financed it. And said, do what you need to do. Go, go for your life. David, uh, David Fincher had Final Cut, which is, for a movie of this size... Mm, he bought Apple's award-winning we'll video come, editing we'll software. Come to that. It was actually edited on Final Cut. <gasps> oh my God, he had Final Cut and Final Cut. Yeah, Final Cut. Yeah, Final Cut on Final Cut. Yeah. Uh, I had that saved up my sleeve for later, but it's fine. We will... Uh... Well, you can't put shit like that out there. You know I do the tech segment, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do Final Cut. So people don't really know, but Final Cut is not necessarily what professionals use. So uh, it... Not in the movie industry. No, no. indeed. No, indeed. It... No, well, not this movie industry, let's say. <laughs> I'm talking about porn. Um, so because it was the vast majority of it was shot on um, digital, uh, digital cameras... Um, which I'm not going to labour on too much, except for the murder scenes, because they were shot in slow motion. They use a regular high-speed film camera. But it meant that, because it's digital, there was no processing time or anything, so every single member of the crew or that needed to could watch the dailies, the rushes, the, the, the day's yep. recordings, um, at the end of every day, which is why people love digital so much, and also why Public Enemies by Michael Mann should be awesome, but... It's just like, oh, that's a lot of artefacting. Don't shoot in the dark with really cheap digital cameras with no proper lighting, Michael Mann. More on artefacts coming up in our Z is for compression episode later. Um, so the first conversation he had recasting... <laughs> they might listen to it first. That's right, just steamroller on. Yeah, I am, yeah. They don't listen to it first. They might do. They always listen to the movie I know a lot first. of people that don't listen to the movie one at all. <laughs> and they told you? No, like six billion face. people on the planet. Oh, you know six billion people? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you see my Facebook page. <laughs> oh, I single-handedly am like six throwing elections. Explain why your toad in the hole got more likes than Kim Jong-un. <laughs> it's true. 
<laughs> my toad Null is and legit. And looks surprisingly similar. <laughs> so, the first conversation they had recasting was um, the first person they spoke to was David Fincher wanted Jennifer Aniston in it. Now, I cannot and find any evidence of who she was meant to be playing. I would assume wife? somebody's wife. Anyway, super weird. So he said, who would you like to work with? And she said, Jake Gyllenhaal and Mark Ruffalo. So long story short, Jennifer Aniston isn't in this film and the other two are. <laughs> I think it's... Both of those things are to the film's benefit. Mm. Well, Jake's use it right, but... I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. brings a certain monobrowed intensity. She's not um, Chloe uh, Savini, though, is she? Let's be real. Chloe Savini's great in this film. And Do- uh, Dave Toskey's wife is June Diane Raphael, Raphael who is... Uh, Paul Shear's wife she's a very funny com- comedian actor who's in Grace and Frankie okay somebody who's listened to this knew what I, knew what I mean <laughs> you know, that was know, for you, you. you know, that, that was my wife because she knows who that person is Ah, <laughs> 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 it is almost Valentine's Day two days afterwards anyway Jake Gyllenhaal spent a lot of time with Robert Graysmith I can imagine um, not a lot on the uh, how they got into the roles I won't lie to you but one particular thing that I really, really enjoyed is that for the close-ups of Jake, Nick- Jake Gyllenhaal's knuckles as he uh, draws or holds letters or is scanning through things, they digitally added in knuckle hair. But, and because as David Fincher said, his hands were too hairless and pretty. <laughs> not, I know that sounds like a pieful tower. There are bits of me that... I mean, I'm not even going to question it because there are bits no. of me that sometimes wonder, the film industry, yeah. we've done this a couple of times... Yeah. Uh, and this actually came up, right? So, um, sidebar. Right. Um, I'll allow it. <laughs> thank you. But watch yourself, counsellor. I stole that from Comedy Bang Bang. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to notice. Oh, can you imagine? But the number of times that Hollywood uses perfectly valid special effects technology, which presumably costs a mint, yeah. and they use it for trivial shit like make his hands hairy. Yeah. David Fincher is the most exacting, precise director. Like... Everyone who works for him hates him, but then they watch these films and they were like, oh my God, that's amazing. And we'll come to that. Mark Ruffalo turned down the role, but was convinced when David Fincher delivered all of Dave Toskey's files to his house. Just read all this. Right. Read all this and t- tell me again you don't want to be in this film. And he did. He did want to be in the film. He did want to be in the film. So um, Dave Toskey is very famous. You'll see in the movie that he's wearing bow ties you know, he uh, wears a lot of turtlenecks. He's a very stylish man. So, stylish for the time. Of the time. Stylish for the time. So, he's very famous for that. To the point where he was the inspiration for Bullet, Steve McQueen. Yep. Steve McQueen spent a lot of time with him. What's that, 1968? So, that's before the Zodiac. Bullet spent a lot of time with him. Um, sorry, McQueen spent a lot of time with him to work out the character of Bullet, including wearing the holster upside down, because it's like quick draw. Yep. So, you don't pull up, you pull down. That's, he, 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 that's why Bullet has that affectation because Dave Toskey did it so when Mark Ruffalo went to him and talked to him about um, the different aspects of the case and different interviews um, Dave Toskey couldn't really remember because it had been such a long time until they showed him photos to remind him what he was wearing at the time and he'd be like oh when I, when I was wearing that I had this interview and that jogged his memory every single time so Dave, Dave Toskey kind of a hipster Kind of uh, I'm guessing more of a dandy. Dave, Dave Toskey, also, also the. Well, we'll come to this for later. I do like the fact that actually they do make reference to Bullet in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a, yeah, a throwaway line, Bullet, yeah. right? Um, well, they, they go to on. the premiere of Dirty Harry as well, which is which is we'll come which will come to Legacy. But yeah, Anthony Edwards, Dr. Mark Green from ER, one of the most upsetting episodes of all time television when he dies of cancer, goes to Hawaii, dies. 
Honestly, that was the first time I watched TV as a kid and cried my eyes out with both of my parents when he died and realised that television could be sad as well. It wasn't all Night Rider. Television can touch you. Their vision can touch you. Porn. Um. <laughs> Fortunately, we now live in an age where you don't get a static shock off the screen. No, indeed. I kind of miss that a little bit. I miss the fuzz of the static on the screen no. of the glass. No. I, feel, I used to feel it with my hands. Nostalgic bullshit, I trust like me. I liked it, I liked it. Anyway, so Anthony Eggers was cast because David Fincher wanted someone that, that projected decency, because Bill Armstrong is a very upstanding policeman who, in the film and in real life, had to step away from the Zodiac case because it was ruining his marriage, and he's the only one that says, I really recognise what's happening, and I have to step away from this for my family. Um, and Bill, the reason that we have so much information about the investigation is that Bill Armstrong made the notes. Yep. He, he wrote the case files, which is, you know, it's, it's Dave Tosky's lead investigator, but his partner did all the, all the notes. You know, so that's why he was cast. Um, initially, uh, David Fincher wanted to cast Brad Pitt or Daniel Craig as Paul Avery. The reporter. I can see Pitt. I can't see Craig. No, I can't see Craig either. Um, but he settled on Robert Downey Jr. as he actually as he actually says in the making of. To be honest, I settled on Robert Downey owns Jr. It. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. He's amazing. Um, it's Robert Downey Jr. playing he, he Robert Downey amazing. Jr. <laughs> so um, only this Robert Downey Jr. gets consequences and dies. Yeah. Well, yeah. Indeed, does emphysema because he's, he's well, hammering away at Fagzolder. Um Gary Oldman was originally cast as Martin Belli. The guy that played by Brian Cox, who's the actor, uh, who's the lawyer. Uh, yeah, all right. So he's a very famous lawyer. Martin Bell is a very, very famous lawyer who had a lot of celebrity clients. Mm-hmm. He represented Jack Ruby at his trial. Jack Ruby, yes. the man who shot uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Allegedly. Um, like, well, he ran out of the crowd with a gun and shot him. There's like film footage of it. There's film footage of the JFK assassination too. Allegedly. When we get to, well, let, let's do JFK. That'd be good. You want to see me with a tin foil hat on? Let's do the film JFK. Okay. Oh, that would be good. Um, originally, Gary Oldman was cast as him, but he didn't have the girth, as David Fincher said. He didn't have the girth. He kept putting a fat suit on him, and it didn't look right. So they cast Brian Cox because you know he's a bit fatter. He's amazing in it. He's really, really good. Him lying down in the back of the car when he's introduced is very funny. Very, very funny. Um. So, the director of photography is Harris Savides. I'm really hoping I'm saying his name right, because he died in 2012 of cancer. Very young man. Um, but he also was the DP of Seven, which is pretty fucking good. Um, and he wanted it to be shot as mundanely as possible, so that the audience watching it would know that what they were watching was true. Which is why there aren't that many flourishes. There's, like, big Hitchcock-inspired camera down over the digital Golden Gate Bridge and stuff like that. But mostly... It's locked it's off two straight, shots of people yeah. sat talking. And then an enormous amount of detail was put into the lighting and I say, this is, to, the, to oh, the costumes and things like that. This is um, the... Because this came after Seven, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So this is the second movie where Fincher disdains light. Yes. He's like, we don't need light. That scene uh, where Graysmith goes and speaks to the bloke from the cinema... And he's like, well, who's even, upstairs? Even before that, that could be got, a film when, in seven. Uh, Grace Smith back is in the apartment. Yeah. Um, to be honest, Fincher likes... He, he literally shuns yeah. the idea that film sets have to be lit to extreme. They yeah, just yeah. have to have light in them. Yeah. 
enough that the cameras work and we're good. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that it looks incredibly grimy and casual. Mm. And that look probably costs about a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, oh, to yeah, achieve. yeah. Unbelievable. Um, apparently, they did an enormous amount of research by researching photography of the time or famous photographers at the time to get like the the feel right. So they tried to frame the shots like 70s photographers well, would frame was, the shots. Again, and, I, and also, don't forget, all the president's men, which is aping throughout, including with the score and the composer, but we'll come to that later. Um, I watched this with my wife, mm-hmm. who legit turned to me about half an hour, 45 minutes mm. in. So, when was this made? Yeah. Because I was like, yeah, fine. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't shot on digital, imagine if it was shot if on film and it had film grain. I think if it wasn't for the cast... Yeah, yeah, you would recognisably, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. It feels like Three Days of the Condor or All the President's Men or something like that. Like, if you, if there was film grain and it had Robert Redford in it, you'd be like, wait, when was this made? <laughs> like sneakers, arguably the greatest film about hacking. I've just said that to you right in your face on our last. I prefer. I prefer. They don't I, really hack much. Yeah, they do. They've got the chip that hacks into everything. Yeah, but they don't actually do any hacking. The chip hacks. No. And they've got the blind phone freak. They freak, they sneak, they squeak, and they beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Off. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was filmed in 115 days. It was filmed in 115 days and came under budget, which is actually insane because David Fincher is very famous for like 90 takes of a scene. Very famous. So apparently him and Jake Gyllenhaal fell out because one day they got to 70 takes of like Jake Gyllenhaal walking into a room and answering a phone. Got to 70 takes. And Jake Gyllenhaal said, we've got it. We've done it 70 times. We've got it. And David Fincher said, I will tell you when we've got it. Thank you. So he, he, he always says like, actors have to redo something and practice over and over again, which is why we have rehearsals. And the character comes to them. So I don't know why they complain that I give them enough time for the character to come to them properly. I love him. I love him. I love him. Robert Downey Jr. said he wanted to garrot him. That's a direct quote from the making of the film on the Blu-ray. Nice. He wanted to garrot him and he said, Robert Downey said, well, I'm the perfect actor to work with him because I understand what a gulag is. <laughs> so you love it. I love it. Um, and he actually rebelled against, uh, against Fincher um, for not being allowed to have any time in his trailer to get his shit together. Which is, I don't know, smoke 400 I cigarettes. I was going to say, that's... that's um, speak on the British Shane Black. Cigarettes. We didn't do drugs anymore. He did then. No, this is, this is, this is beginning of the Downey reconnaissance. Oh, uh, re- sure? Re- I think so. Uh, this okay. is after he went to jail. All right. All right. 2007? Yeah, maybe. I was about to say, this is just before he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's not the same man. The other man's a sex offender. Um, so... Allegedly. Allegedly, for the purposes of the podcast, allegedly. Um... Yeah, so he rebelled against David Fincher um, by hiding mason jars full of piss on the set. So in some of the scenes, if you look very carefully, there are jam jars in the background with a yellow liquid in them, and it's Robert Downey Jr. hiding jars of his piss in shots. I like the idea that he thought that, given that this is Fincher, who directed Seven, that that would detract from the atmosphere he was natively trying to create. (laughs) What's that that jar for what looks like piss in the background? Don't worry, love, it's a Fincher movie. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that just makes me laugh, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Also, mason jars are inherently sealed containers. It's just like mason jars, like, when it conjures up, like, a real, like, Howard Hughes type thing, you know, like... Anyway, Who's so... piss was it? His own piss. Who's <laughs> was it? He could have sourced... He's Robert Downey Jr. He can get whoever's piss he likes. Well, I was If wondering. he phoned me up and said, can I have a jar of your piss? 
I'd be like, I'd be like, I've, you know what? It's weird. I'll FedEx it over. Fresh one or one of the ones I've already got? <laughs> <laughs> what vintage? You don't sit on the sofa and watch films as long as I do without peeing into a wine bottle once or twice. Um, it was a joke. It was a joke. Don't ever drink directly from a wine bottle in my house. Um, why is this wine bottle warm? Um, you've got to be really careful to get all the foil off the neck, though, because otherwise Moving you can have an- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it made me a little bit dizzy we're, laughing we're, that much. We're sat here drinking, we'll put this on Instagram, we're sat here drinking beer that's a bit cloudy. <laughs> yellow, very yellow. So the original cut was three hours and eight minutes. Okay, so now, they added some? You and I have both watched the um, director's cut, which is two hours and 42 minutes long. So there's about 15 minutes added in a director's cut, including, you know, the little inter- the interlude... You know, the four uh, years later bit. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like the musical interlude that shows the passage of time. Quite beautiful. It, very beautiful. But originally that was four and a half minutes long. And it's what, like 90 seconds maybe? I mean, you think he's spending 10 years. I think it's brilliant. I think, I think it's a brilliant touch. But the studios were like, you can't have three minutes of black screen. And he's like, I haven't. There's music playing. There's, it's not... Do you know what I mean? It's not... It does, I mean, it does occur to me that Fincher may not... Understand or appreciate the? Uh, no, he does. Well, you know, on anyway, you um, know, on Fox Television, if they have black screen in films or TV, they cut them out because yeah. they know that if people are flicking through channels, channel surfing, and they, surfing, hit, black screen, they, and they hit black screen, yeah. they'll just keep going. So you can't ever. It's insane. That's insane to me. But anyway, so um, it was meant to be released for Ox- o- o- Oxford's considerations, Oscar consideration, but they were like, it's three hours and eight minutes. You need to lose. 45 minutes and he was like uh, final cut bitch no and they went fine we won't release it and he went fine so it didn't come out during Oscar season because he was like fuck you I'm not shortening it so hang on do Oscar movies have to be it's a specific uh, time 90 minutes to like two no hours? no it's more just they're like people will get bored they just don't like long films which is insane when you think Infinity War is like two and a half hours long a little bit more action in Infinity War than in it, it, this, is a, this is a nearly three hour long film which is about loads of dudes sat in a room talking I, I'm not suggesting that I get the paces so yeah. there's no Oscar restriction on timing no 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 not at all I mean there is shortness but not I think it has to be under 85 minutes to even qualify as a feature but over 85 minutes to qualify as a feature well, it would because feature length is 90 minutes yeah indeed yeah. which is why if you watch uh, very famously if you watch Wes Craven's Red Eye do you remember that no Wes Bentley and Nev Campbell in the plane I think Nev Campbell Wes Bentley certainly Um, it's an 80 minute long film with 15 minutes of the slowest moving credits because the credits count so it's just so slowly to get it over the thing so they could count as a video uh, a feature length movie and release it in cinemas Hmm. but anyway well Finchie didn't need that no he didn't but he did end up cutting it down to about two and a half hours Um, so for all his bluster he didn't get and they were like this is our Oscar film he's going to get best director Robert Downey Jr. is going to get best lead or best supporting you know and he would have done I think it really would have done really well not that any of these things actually fucking mean anything but anyway Um, so yeah so they had lots of test screenings where they didn't like certain bits like uh, the scene where there were three blokes sat around the intercom I love that scene I actually when I watched it the other day for the first time in, in years I was like it's a great scene. It's just three guys sat around an intercom Especially and it's great. It's the same intercom as from Charlie's Angels. It is. It's not Bosley. Yeah, amazing. Um, so anyway, he cut it down. It didn't win any awards apart from getting nominated for the Palm d'Or because it wasn't out during Oscar season. So uh, the last thing I wanted to say about production before we get into the score 
is that um, the case was reopened after the film came out. That must be a kick in the teeth to... Um, because the same thing as you've been saying for years. Almost verbatim. The case is reopened. It's still open now. They have um, tested DNA against stamps on yep. the Zodiac um, letters against Arthur Lee Allen's DNA, and it didn't match. It didn't match. There is a lot of theories about how there might have been two people. Or you just got the lady at the post office. The to big one the being, you know, Rick Marshall that's at the end is mentioned before he gets back onto Arthur mm-hmm. Lee Allen is that they lived in the same place as well for a time so there might have been some kind of party there's a lot of theories right one of them is that Ted Kandinsky is the, is the Zodiac Killer you know the Unabomber yep you know there's a guy shit I can't remember his name uh, he wrote a book where he started to dig into his family tree in his father's life when he died and he realised that his dad might well have been the Black Dahlia Killer and then he's written a second book which is like Shit, he might have been the Zodiac as well. <laughs> so there's like a, there's a lot of different things. Um, I want to say Harold Shaw or something like that. I think his name is. And he basically he was digging into his family tree and decided and found out that he thinks his dad was the Black Dahlia murderer. Uh, that is a good book. And that's the that. one thing, given that this is factual, mm. that really comes across in spades in the movie is the potential for copycats, the impact on the media of this kind of investigation. Uh, or the impact of the media yeah. in this kind of investigation. Yeah, rather. yeah, yeah. And the idea that actually nobody has any clue towards the end of the movie by yeah. virtue of the, fact, the evidence dismissing uh, Arthur yeah. uh, or Lee. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you literally you come out of it going, pretty sure it's that guy. Yeah. I mean, like seventy percent. Maybe the, the film is definitely leaning towards saying that it's him, but they couldn't prove it. But so all the then, characters are sure at the end. Even watching the film, uh, the characters are sure, but you as yeah. the watcher are left with the understanding that there, there is a significant of degree of doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, for fear of this becoming a podcast about talking about the Zodiac Killer, which it is not, as I say, there are lots of very good podcasts out there about it. Highly recommend Monster. I want to plug them again. Not paid content, but if they do hear this and want to throw me ten bucks, um, or just a bank link would be nice. Yeah, to be are. honest. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the music because the music is amazing so initially he just wanted um, I was going to say diegetic music but that isn't true because that's music within the film he just wanted just an original soundtrack without a score yeah so he was going for basically period music yeah yeah, yeah. period pop music or whatever Mm. that would have just been played throughout but it would have been incidental so it would have been on a radio or so yeah diegetic whatever uh Gone. Yeah, and um, yeah, so he, he, he had like 50 songs lined up, um, which would have been an enormous amount of money. And then they were talking, uh, him and the, he and the DP were talking, and they were talking about how they wanted to look like all the president's men and those kind of 70s movies made at the time it was set, essentially. So somebody suggested, why don't you see if you can get David Shire, who is the man who did the music for The Conversation, which is an incredible movie with Gene Hackman, which will come to in recommendations. Um, and All the President's Men, you know, with very famously about the Watergate scandal and all that kind of stuff. That is incredible. Go, go, if you enjoyed that, go and watch this, but we'll come to that in a minute. David Shire said, hell yeah, brah. I'd love to be involved, baby. David Shire famously sounds exactly <laughs> like you. Exactly. And here he is now. What's up, son? 
So, David. <laughs> God, are we really? Okay. No, we're oh, not. Oh, good, okay. <laughs> I'd much like to yes and. That might be asking but a bit much. Um, so they asked Dave Shire to do it, and he did, and it's amazing. So leaving aside the fact that obviously the... Um, I mean, there's two bits. The original approach would have been amazing. It yeah. would have been very costly. Yeah, yeah. And there are elements of it. Don't get me wrong, there are period music pieces. Like the, almost the intermission, essentially, in the middle, the two-minute intermission. Yeah, kind of but thing. even before that and after that, there are a couple of specific tracks. Hurdy Gurdy Man. Oh, Hurdy Gurdy Man. It's so Creepy weird. as fuck. I love Donovan, he said, <laughs> wishing he hadn't said that aloud. I love a bit of Donovan. Which and bit? I really love the Hurdy Gurdy Man. Yeah. Uh, it's the fact that we've kind of grown up as our generation with filmmakers who do the whole, oh, I'm just going to play, I'm just going to go through my ginormous record collection that I keep mm. in the basement. Yeah. Looking at nobody in particular. James Gunn. And Tarantino. Oh, and Tarantino, yeah, of course. Jesus, yeah. Um, it's the yeah, fact but think how much amazing music you've discovered from Tarantino. I not not I, judge, I think there, I've got a few places where my musical tastes have come from and one of them is movies of like Tarantino is my favourite person for discovering a song which I've heard sampled in hip hop that I love and then you're like oh this was a whole song that's amazing Frank Sinatra um, had a daughter <laughs> shot me down at the beginning I mean, of no, it's, know, it's, 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 a, it's a bad example it's a bad example but you know yeah. these boots were made for walking it was a whole big thing but I just love shot me down bang bang yeah, so anyway, but not it's, Frank Sinatra's version of it's it. It's great to see a director reining that in a bit yeah, and yeah. still being true to it. Yeah, yeah. Actually pulling together an incidental score that yeah. is, and I said this to you off mic before. Yeah. Uh, if you want to creep yourself out, yeah. Uh, the Zodiac soundtrack is available on Spotify. Other systems and streaming Might platforms well exist. Yeah, sure, yeah. But seriously, just put that on. Put your put your headphones in. Then just walk around a supermarket no, and be prepared to walk get home, walk home from the incredibly. Pub. Creeped out. Walk home from the pub one night in the dark. See how much you enjoy that. <laughs> and the thing that I love is the sound, uh, the, the the incidental soundtrack as it was provided, does some very traditional things. They have themes for the characters. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Toshi's theme. Well, David Shire is a you know a classical, not a classical composer, but like a classic film. So yeah, he would but, have themes and that kind of stuff. Well, no, but a lot of a, a lot of classic directors at that time yeah. kind of left that behind. Sure, they yeah, were yeah. just like, no, I will score the. Yeah, but that's uh, it. There's no events. there's no Superman march anymore, is there? There's no Lois Lane love theme. There's no, yeah, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and there is in this film. Yeah, there are recurring themes per yeah. character. But that's why they got him in to score the film because it's they amazing. want it to feel like a seventies movie, which one hundred percent. Zodiac has a theme that plays with three different characters on screen just yeah, yeah. adds to the fucking but That's why I think it's so weird that they shot on digital because it's such a classic 70s kind of thriller, slow burn All right. thriller. Alright, let's get into this. Come on. No, 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 no. So, I, I haven't got uh, anything else to Why do you shoot on digital? Because it's convenient, yeah, cheap, cheap and incredibly fast. Yeah, yeah. And it was such and a long... Frankly, it's such a big you're film. You're investing that much in yeah, setting, yeah. dressing, yeah, yeah, yeah. in uh, post-production yeah. for all of the different grading of the film, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the footage. Yeah. You know, digital makes more sense in this movie than it does in anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it is because of the amount of money they, and time they put into this, the set dressing and that kind of stuff, the film stream cameras that they used shoots uncompressed video, which we will come to later. I hope so, because I've just paid it lip service and don't know what it means. So I hope you can explain it to me in a minute. Um, so it's uncom uncompressed uh, digital, so it has insane quality, which is why 
the Blu-ray is amazing. Apparently the DVD quality is terrible, but who the fuck is buying DVDs? Well, we'll come on to that, I'm sure. um, But that's why this movie is, like, when it was released on Blu-ray, this movie is, like, a demonstration-level Blu-ray. This is, like, if you want to sell somebody on Blu-rays, this is what you show them. It's uncompressed sound, so it sounds incredible through speakers as well. Like full Um, 24-bit. Amazing, amazing. Um, and like, I, I just can you imagine? Like, you know, I've just recently got a 4K player. This, oh, have you? you yeah, haven't mentioned I haven't that. mentioned it. I haven't no. been banging on about it for two weeks. Uh, seriously, though, you watch Mad Max Fury Road in 4K. It's sick. Um, his movies in 4K are going to be like groundbreakingly insane. I mean, Seven is one of the most beautiful films, and this is so beautiful. That, I mean, there are, there are scenes, you know when, he's chasing, when they're chasing John Doe down the hallway and he goes outside and he cold cocks him, he jumps out the window and it's raining in that alleyway and he hits him from behind with a gun Sorry, and he listeners. cocks a gun We've against his head. gone off on a seven-related tangent. Bear with us, normal yeah. service will be resumed. You know the bit when he cocks a gun yeah, do. and it's yes. a close-up of the gun against Brad Pitt's head in the rain. You're not sure if Brad Pitt likes... Is he crying a bit? He might is be. Is it the raindrops? He might be. So good. Anyway, this is going to look amazing in 4K. Thank you very much. It is. And the soundtrack is wonderful, beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're talking about the soundtrack. My bad. <laughs> I am, by and large, quite glad <laughs> that he made the concession for a score. I agree. I agree. Because I think that the... It adds to the movie. It's not to the well, detriment. It always adds time. to the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, uh, the lift and the subtlety, but the lift to some of the scenes mm. is almost needed because it is yeah. so It's dudes so in a room. It's dudes in a room. Dudes in a room. And that, that, that exactly the like actors are, the acting in this film is off the fucking hook. It's yeah, insanely yeah. good. But even so, even the best actors in the world yeah. will always benefit from a little bit of. But that, not you know, a lot of people help. don't realize. That's not necessarily our listeners, but a lot of people don't realize the way your emotions are manipulated by the music when the music soars or whatever. Well, I'm sure we've talked about this before. Has anybody have, have you ever is... seen the video of The Shining cut as a romantic comedy? No, I haven't. It's a trailer. You're right. It's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look it up. Mm. Um, but it is exactly that. Yeah. And it's The Shining. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I can't remember his name now. But it's like you put Benny Hill music over anything and it makes it look funny. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, you put this music under Lackety anything sex. and it makes it creepy as fuck. Yeah, and like, you know, in order to get tension and emotion out of stuff of three dudes sat in a room, that's why this score works so well. If it was just music in the background playing, there might be some kind of, oh, that song ties into this, from this theme, but it wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. Also, totally unrelated, basically, just go and listen to anything by um, Reznor and Ross. Sure. Anything at all. Any of their films. Are, you can literally just put them on in the background. Also, Nine Inch Nails. Um, <laughs> you know, that, maybe. That, those people that wrote that song for Johnny Cash. That brings us to um, legacy and recommendations. Uh, Legacy-wise, you know, all those true crime documentaries you watch, they're all produced by David Fincher. Mindhunter couldn't be more of... It's just Zodiac, the TV show. You know, uh, Mindhunter is fucking good as well. Not seen it, it's on Netflix. It's on other things, I would imagine. when 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 it was announced, I would just, like, just shit the bed and had an erection. It was just... It was just... Uh, and uh, no, sorry, that was just before I read about David Fincher having a serial killer TV show. Um, amazing. Is, is that because you've been tied to the bed and forced for beans? Or? <laughs> Somebody had fucked me with a spiked dildo and killed me. That's the most fucked up thing in Seven, by the way. That is so messed up. 
She, put, she puts a harness on that guy and then makes him... Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh, boy. This just got... Not suitable for work. No, seven. Just seven. Seven. But I always think with seven, you get to the end and it's like, oh, there's a head in the box. That's the least shocking thing that happens in that movie. Yeah. Feeds the guy to At death. this point, I'm entirely desensitised <laughs> to the head in the box. Absolutely. The best scene in that film is them listening to Miles Davis and having dinner with Morgan Freeman. But anyway... Miles Davis? They listen to Miles Davis. Or is it John Coltrane? It's John Coltrane. Bird. Shit. Which one is it? Bird. He's a bird. Charlie Parker. Oh, no, I thought it was... They listened, to, they listened to Kind of Blue at one point, though. Uh, maybe. Which is playing in the background. Anyway. anyway it's this... Charlie Parker. There's Thelonious Monk. Yes. Who else? Yeah. Who else? You've named them all. You, basically, Duke Ellington. No, he's not in there. <laughs> no, but um, he does drive a taxi in the background. If you He's there's in a... uh, American Hustle, though. Um, Legacy uh, 7, which came out before this. <laughs> Uh, it's a reverse legacy. I didn't know how time works, dude. Zodiac. Zodiac. <laughs> Sorry, what character is this that we're doing? Not sure. I like this SoCal surfer, dude. I love it. Um, uh, legacy, yeah. Like I say, all those true crime docs, that new Ted Bundy thing, which is super boring for three episodes and then amazing for the last episode. Yep. Um, the whole bit about the Unabomber, which yeah. I think was called Manhunt Unabomber. Yeah, it was Manhunt Unabomber. And then, you know, all that mm. um, making a murderer and all that kind of stuff. Like, these are all very much. I don't think Zodiac is necessarily responsible for them, but they're certainly in the same vein. I think there's a natural human obsession with this kind of event. And Fincher has definitely made that more the mainstream. But at the same time, yeah, the idea that he made Seven, which was a fictional serial killer... David Fincher makes movies about toxic masculinity. (laughs) All right. You have to, like, make this a... Thing, but yeah, I don't okay. not make anything. I mean, I'm just using a, a, a more prevalent term that's come up recently. Is all it is. But he does. He makes a movie about. He makes movies about flawed men. Well, yes. I don't know why I'm being so accusatory. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm having a go at you. I'm all of a sudden. With you. God damn it! I was like Benjamin Button's normal, <laughs> except for one thing. <laughs> not technically a flaw. One, what about that one thing? That's a weird film. It's written by the people that wrote um, Forrest Gump, and it's got exactly the same story beats. It's really weird. Why did he make that? I watched it and was like, yeah, but when is he going to, like, cut someone's head off? Oh, no, he's just old and he's going to get younger. Maybe he fancied making something I quite, like, I, I quite like it, though. I mean, it's still David Fincher. Anyway, so, recommendations and legacy, I would say. Watch all of the David Fincher films. Watch all of them, particularly The Game, my faves. The Game, Seven... Uh, Social Network. Social Network is amazing. Gold Dragon Tattoo. Watch, if you like the uh, tension that you get in this film yeah. and you want it less spread out, uh, watch Gone Girl. Yes. Gone Girl is good. Gone Girl is a good Gone movie. Um, if you want to watch this film but your partner doesn't like horror films and things like that and you want to watch David Fincher, then watch Panic Room. Because that is a or, cinema date movie if ever there was one. Uh, or, yeah. or Benjamin Button. Or Benjamin Button. Or Benjamin Button, yeah, sure. Uh, I like Panic Room, but that feels like director for hire to me. It doesn't feel like a Fincher... Well, no, but he did say... He's on the record as saying that he tried to make something that was much more populist. Right, okay, uh, fair, fair. So, fair. you know, it's like, it's yeah. fine. You're yeah, yeah. David Fincher. You can pretty much do what the fuck you want. also watch the trailer for um, Love, oh. Death, Robots. Death, Love, Robots. Yes. Love, Death, Robots, whatever it is. That's this is just out. This came out, like, three days yeah, yeah, before yeah. we recorded so this. So he has always wanted to make a movie of heavy metal. You know, the, the French uh, bande dessinée. Um, graphic novel to the rest of us who aren't pretentious douchebags. Who am I kidding? I'm a pretentious douchebag. Um, 
Sorry, Steph. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to let you sit in there. Um, and he never got it off the ground, so he just made his own thing. So it's an anthology of various different mediums, anime, live action, CGI. All of medium is media. And it's all... Okay, thank you. Thank you. Various different mediums. Very diff- no, because that would be loads of different psychics, wouldn't it? If you're a medium, that would be a room full of psychics. A collection of them. Collection of mediums. Um, One of them is late and immediately gets kicked out. It's mixed media. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you should watch that when that comes out, because I will be, March the 15th. I'm literally just going to binge that whole thing straight away. Uh, it's Tim Miller who made the first um, Deadpool movie and David Fincher, which feels like trashy enough to be fun and highbrow enough to be awesome, and hopefully they'll like... There'll be a happy medium. There will be a happy medium. Ah. One. Yeah. If there's more than one, it would be a happy media. Can you have more than one happy medium? Isn't that the point of a happy medium? There's Mm. only one. (laughs) Anyway, watch all of his movies. You should also watch Dirty Harry from 1971. Because it's directly inspired by the Zodiac. And referenced heavily in Zodiac. And as he says, the it's great, no due process. There is an entire scene shot yeah. at the screening yeah, the of Dirty Harry. So it's Scorpio in that movie, and Dirty Harry, and, and, and as Tosky says, yeah, great, no due process. Dirty Harry is made in 1971. It is made by Don Siegel. It should be a Western, essentially. It's got uh, Clint Eastwood in it. It is amazing. Don't be put off because it's 1971, because the only reason it feels dated is because he's wears flares. It feels so modern. It is amazing. Watch Dirty Harry. It is beautiful. That Watch scene. It. So in, in, in the film, Scorpio um, hijacks a school bus full of kids. Yep. And there is a scene where he's driving, and Dirty Harry is chasing him. Harry Callahan is chasing him. And he comes around a bend, and there's a footbridge. And Harry Callahan is stood on top of the footbridge. In the distance, as he drives towards him, he jumps on top of the bus. But the shot of him stood on that bridge is the fucking coolest thing in the whole world. I have got a lot of problems with Clint Eastwood, which we will could devote an entire episode to how much I love and hate the man. But that is some fucking cool shit. When I see a, when I see a guy with a boner brandishing a knife, I shoot the bastard. That's my policy. Oh, that's so good! It was Shakespeare in the park. <laughs> It's Naked Gun, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, Bullet, you should watch that. Yeah. 1968. If you want to see what Tosky looks like as interpreted through the lens of the Queen. Queen. Uh, arguably the coolest car chase of all time with the coolest car. Eleanor, in fact, from Gone in 60 Seconds. Same also, car. fun fact, so, uh, I mean, uh, Bullet, great. very famous for the split screen, the black line effect. Mm-hmm. They reuse those black lines in Zodiac. Not true. They're the same black lines. Not true, though, is it, though? Well, no, they are. They're at the top and the bottom of the screen. <laughs> oh, right, I see, yes. The yeah, CinemaScope the lines. Black. It's the same ones. They digitally they took them. them. You do anything Studios with digital. wouldn't spring for new black lines. They right. had to reuse them. I heard that they just used black, black uh, cards. You just held it up over the top of the camera. So like <laughs> you, I shouldn't cover my mouth when I'm talking to Mike, but anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, no, watch Bullet. Bullet is amazing and wonderful and, uh, frankly, just watch it. It is awesome. It is, and his Lalo Schiffer and the score for that. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the 90s cool. that kind of, again, predates, but kind of feeds into. So right. you've got all of the, like, to catch a spider, the really dark serial killer fictional yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, think, I think Zodiac is a legacy of those movies. Um, um, it's, it is, um, but... Cherry Falls... Uh, Kiss the Girls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, all those Morgan Freeman, Alex Cross movies. All that stuff. Um, striking Distance with um, uh, Bruce Willis. 
Copycat with Sigourney Weaver. That's yes. well good. That's well good. Um, all Brian De Palma movies. If you like, um, if you like, uh, if you like your serial killers with some kind of um, sexual deviation, as long as it is that they dress up as women, you would love Brian De Palma films. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of serial killer movies if you love them. Seven. Um, moving away from the serial killer genre, okay. we've mentioned it several times. Uh, all the President's Men. If you like this kind of movie of dudes looking awesome in seventies in rooms talking, uncovering the truth, and you like a true story, watch All the President's Men. Arguably the most important story in American media. Yep. This you is uh, Nixon, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. For the benefit of people who don't yeah, know. Indeed, yeah, indeed. Yeah. That, I mean, Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford. Incredible. Um, Three Days if of the you, Condor. If you really, really are. Three Days of the Condor oh. with Redford. Oh, it's so hot. If you are prepared Sydney to jump party. across the pond, and this one's a little bit contentious, uh-huh. but uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, if you really yeah. like period, and you yeah. like that kind of Men in room smoking men cigarettes. Men in room smoking cigarettes and having a very tense conversation. Uh, that is again. a very good film. Oh, that's an insane... Is that the Gary Oldman, you mean, yeah, yeah. or the original? I haven't seen Both. Smiley's People and stuff. Uh, I mean, the original was a TV series, but... Oh, it's Alec Guinness, isn't it? Uh, oh. yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. I've never seen it. What? I've never seen it. Right, hang on, listener. We need to go and educate Mike. We'll be back <laughs> in about six hours. <laughs> I need to watch that. I love Alec Guinness. Oh, shockingly, I love Alec Guinness. But, um, but yeah, that, that Tinker Taylor movie with Benny uh, Bernard Cumberbund is absolutely amazing. I mean, Gary Oldman is legit in that. It's so good. Um, JFK, Kevin yep. Costner, Oliver Stone three hour so this movie reminded me so much of JFK in that if you ever play a game where you have to link people who are in films together if you're playing Six Degrees of Bacon right use JFK because everybody is in JFK it is insane everybody's in JFK and this movie felt like that every time a new bit person came up I was like oh that's that guy from that that's that guy from that it really is Um, that is incredible JFK Oliver Stone's JFK is absolutely brilliant uh, which is a miracle because it's an Oliver Stone film. <laughs> Come on, he's a bit heavy-handed. <laughs> Platoon okay, is good. So it gets to a point, and then it's like, come on. I don't, don't massively rate the man, but mm. anyway, yeah. he's a far more successful film director than I will ever be. So. <laughs> you know that's true. I shouldn't knock him too much. <laughs> the Exorcist Three. Really? It's got a serial killer in it called Gemini, who's based on Zodiac. Oh, Exorcist 3 oh, is right. written and directed by William I, I, Peter Blatty, who wrote The Exorcist. I've not seen The Exorcist 3. Exorcist 2 is bad. To be fair, I wasn't Exorcist aware there was good. more than one of them. There's like five. But this, uh, the, the, the two is kind of bad because he's kind of trying to explain it away with science and it's weird. But 3 is discounts 2 and is written by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the book and script of the first, of the first movie. Um, and it's, it's pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. All right. Yeah, let's see so moving swiftly on from that, that brings us to our ratings, which might not come oh, as any surprise ooh. to anyone that's listened to the rest of this podcast so far. Go on then. What's you it out of? Oh, um... It's out of five. How many times did he stab her? Like 21 oh, times. You know all the blood is digital because David Fincher didn't want to have to go to the trouble of having somebody clean up all the flake blood because there'd be so much blood. See, I like this. So he made it digital because he couldn't be able to get somebody to mop it all I'll up. I'll refer you back to my previous comment about mm. thousands spent <laughs> on digital hand yeah. hair. Incredible. But yeah, I can't be asked to get a janitor in. So what that means just... is the knife blade is digital as well. So he's just holding a handle. He's just going with a handle and then they digitally put in the blade in there. Anyway, I'm going to say it's out of probably five knives. God help me. Is that bad taste? Real people well, no, died. No, so you only stabs two people. 
Okay, let's do it out of five ruined marriages. <laughs> okay. Because oh, that, that's much less bad, says. I'm going to give it five ruined marriages. I'm gonna give five, it five out of five. I'm going to give five out of five. feels a bit strong. That means it's literally the best film we've ever rated. I'm gonna, no, I've definitely given five out of five before. No. I'm going to give it four or I'm give it four and a half. I'm Not taking 4. half of Four and a half. Okay. Four, and they've had a really bad row, but they'll get over it. Like, he slept in the other room for three months, but they got back together and it was fine. Because the neighbour moved away. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I would say four and a half. I would say four and a half. No, I would, because this is quintessential. This is... There's not many... Where would you fault it? I really haven't got many arguments. It's long. I'm about to tell you, but go on. No, I'm going to keep talking to you. No, no, go on. Go on. No, go on. Okay, well, I would give it uh, a solid four. Okay. It does not go above that, because whilst I 100% respect the diligence that was put into the research... Sure. Uh, the amazing period setting... Yeah. ...and the work that... I mean, this thing is a fucking work of... It's not a work of art. It's a, a labour of love. Sure. This Obsession. is... Yeah, somebody who really, really wanted to represent and tell this story. Yeah, yeah. There are two reasons it doesn't get more than four. One being, with the best one in the world... As a film director, you may be about to disagree with me here, but I would suggest that he could have injected a degree of pace without sacrificing the longevity of the case. Okay. And it feels like it rumbles on on its own merit. It's like, oh, well, it's two and a half hours wide because it was ten years. Fuck off. It's a true story. Fuck you. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, yeah, but that's no reason that you can't actually... Pick Just be glad wrong, it wasn't three right? hours and ten minutes wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of, that's what I mean. It's, mm, it's, yeah. it, this idea that it's, it, it does suffer a little bit. It's that long because he wanted it to be that long. It's not through necessity. It's because David Finch wanted it to be that long. Yeah, and he yeah. could have made it feature length. He could have yeah. done a half an hour special. It was 2.42. It could have been 2.15. Um, it could. Mm. And there are certain points where it shows, where it slows down. The other thing is that uh, for all of his effort in... The realism is almost to its detriment... Yeah, because there, there are many big no... like character moments, and this is it. It's there just very no much a document. Build. It's a document, right? It's not a, even a narrative. Like, uh, Gillenfall splits up with his wife, and it's just like a thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter because the Zodiac is all that matters. And it's, yeah. yeah, but even then, it's not a big but, thing. No, no, I don't. I don't mean to say that it, it happens. It doesn't matter because all the Zodiac happens. I don't think the film makes that point. It's just a aside. Yeah. And I think Robert Downey Jr. getting emphysema and living on a health bone and all that. that Everybody's along for the journey. Yeah. And as a result, the character development that would have been completely artistic and totally embellished and totally unrelated to the story, the true story at hand. Yeah. But I think he leaves a little bit too much of that on the sidewalk. Just saying. Also, don't forget that you and I have both watched the director's cut, which is the. You know the masturbatory cut, right? It's the self-indulgent cut. Yeah, all right. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. So don't forget we watched that. I've never seen the theatrical cut uh, because um, it only came out on DVD that had no special features and apparently isn't very good quality. So I was like, I'll probably wait till they release a proper. Like they've made a film with the Zodiac that you spent four years or three years researching. I'm not buying the first release because I feel like there's going to be more. <laughs> it's like Terminator 2. Who's watched the theatrical cut? Me, because that's the only version on 4K. But that's another enormous rant, which we'll have for another time. I think that this is... It's a great movie. It's a great piece of art. Yes. I think 4.25 average is 
possibly doing a degree of a disservice, even now, as I say, it's weird. You feel like you should want it more, and yet at the same time, when it's actually given to you, you find yourself wanting more. So for the first time, I think you're going to agree with perhaps one oh, of the one-star one reviews. One-star reviewer. <laughs> you might be. Because you're a little more articulate than what this person has said. And I still think it's stupid that this person put one star. But anyway, let's, let, let's uh, cue the jingle, baby. It's Amazon One Star Reviews. One Star Reviews. Shockingly, not a lot of these. Mostly complaining about the DVD. Apparently the initial DVD release was terrible. It makes a change. Um, there is a lot of people who are complaining about how bad the artefacting is during the digital uh, scenes. And there's loads of people um, referring... You know, you can reply to reviews, which I think is hilarious. And I'm really glad that I could have stopped myself doing it. Um, but they... Uh, what I should do is I should reply to the reviews of the one-star reviews just with a link to the episode. <laughs> You're famous! <laughs> By yeah. the way, we massively take the piss out of you. <laughs> Yeah, um, a lot of people, and so all the reviews are like, um, turn off motion flow on your TV, dumbass. <laughs> and in seriousness, let's, if there's anything that our listeners should do, if you don't know what that is, it is in your settings of your TV, probably in advanced settings. If you have called, a Sony TV. If there's any auto anything, motion flow, reality creation, black enhancement, um, uh, contrast, auto contrast, turn it all off. Turn it all off. Turn it all off. Then take it all off and watch the movie as it was meant to be shot. With you naked and it. <laughs> no, directors spend too long working on the lighting and, and framing of films for you to fuck it up because you want to watch it at three o'clock in the afternoon with the sun shining through the window on your TV. Put your TV in a place where the sun's not shining on it! There are things called curtains. They're a lot cheaper Ugh. than your television. So angry. Anyway, one-star reviews. Linda DeBretto. Uh, oh, Linda. Linda. August 18. Entitled, Interesting. Her review, yes. Just wondering how long I can... <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Interesting, yes. One star. One star. Well, Linda, you are... I just hope you're back on your meds. Just hope you're back on your meds. No, I, I like it. Marketan... Can I just say, I also really hope that Linda makes love in the same way that she reviews movies. <laughs> the guy arrives at... Interesting... Yes. <laughs> yes. Get out. Really clears up the whole consent issue. Uh, Mark Italiano. What? That, that was perfectly. Really? Re- that was all right. Anyway, Mark 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 Itali Mark Quitalino. Mark Quitalino. I'm gonna say you were about to say Mark Italiano. It was a good bit. Mark ah, Italiano. No, that's Papa Love's Mambo. Um, August 15. I'm lost. Lol. That's bad because I'm a huge fan of psychological theories. But this movie was a huge waste of brain cells and money. Oh. Now that I read that back, I don't think you do agree with it. Um, sharp. <laughs> oh, was that the one I was meant to agree with? Yeah, weirdly. I, think, I don't really know. I don't know why I thought that, but no, I'm, I'm wrong. Sorry. Um, I'm a huge fan of psychological thrillers, but this movie was a waste of brain cells and money. It's not really a psychological thriller, this film. No. I think you're thinking of Seven. Yes. And it, it is understandable that people will watch this film thinking that it's going to be seven. It's the same director. But, I mean, unless you turn up to the cinema, just, you know. I don't know, maybe the marketing was bad. Maybe the, maybe the trailers, which they've, you know, directors don't cut their own trailers, the studio does. Maybe they cut the trailer to make it look like seven. I don't know. I don't know. De- Deborah Zoretsky. 
August 2015. Come on, Debs. Entitled One Star. Hit me. Review Dark. Now, I don't know if she means it is physically dark or like the story's dark, man. Deborah, you know the curtains we mentioned earlier? <laughs> yeah. Open them. Yeah, maybe that one's just a contrast issue. It could be. Dark. You're watching a movie about Zodiac and you're like, oh, this is a bit. This is a bit dark and adult. It's about the most famous serial killer. Like, he, I'd suggest third most famous serial killer. It's got to be Jack the Ripper, Ted Bundy, and then him, right? Well, Son of Sam's in there somewhere. Sure, sure, sure. sure. His dog told him to do it. Um, I love that. His German shepherd that he had locked in a tool shed was telling him to murder people. I say I love it. People died. So, K May. This is good. July 13. It's a bit of a longer one. Where do they get the four stars? So it's four stars rated on Amazon. Oh, right. Currently. Minus one. I do not see how this rates four stars. There are only three... Yeah, no, mate, you're writing it anyway. There are only three killings in the whole three-hour film, and they happen in the first 30 minutes. Right? The other two and a half hours is boring trash. If you're looking for a good thriller, steer away from this. No, you're just not... It's not the film that you expected it to be. I doesn't mean it's bad. Just watch Seven, you idiot. If you're looking for a good thriller, steer away from this. Um, if you're thinking about dying it, buying it because it has Robert Downey, Downey in it. Robert Downey's not in it. Robert Downey. His son's in it. Do not buy this in capital letters. It's quite possibly his worst role ever. He really doesn't have much to do apart from be a druggie um, who dies from his bad habits, which is true, but he doesn't need us more to do than that, I would suggest. The end. Zodiac is more of a crime drama than a thriller. Well, yeah. It's so he, no, what he's done there is, a... is hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Yep, I can't argue with it. If you, also, similarly, if you want to watch a good sci-fi movie, don't watch this. If you want to watch a really good vampire film, don't watch Zodiac. Zodiac is not for <laughs> you. It's not for you. So he's right. If you want a good thriller, don't watch, because it's not a thriller. Anyway, uh, where were we? We're still going. It's more of a crime, crime, crime drama, and a very bad one at that. <sighs> Waste your money like I did. I think he means don't waste your money like I did, but he's, he's like, this no, is very much this is very much written by someone who's clearly film. furious. I am going to throw mine in the trash rather than selling it back so that some poor fool ends up buying it. He's going to throw it in the trash rather than resell it so that some poor fool buys it. He's really not getting negative statements. Anyway, um, worst movie I've ever seen, minus three stars. Worst movie so you've on, ever seen. This isn't a one star. This is this a minus, is a minus three, three star review. So, um... Also, has he seen Ladyhawk? Just for a bit of colour. K. May. So we hit the same guy. wonder oh. where I'm going with this. Oh. March 2018. A review of the Go film on. It. You remember It? Which It? The new It. Okay, yes. Scared my children silly. <laughs> yeah, mate. Part one of two. Have to wait a few years <laughs> for part two. Bummer, because I'd given it five stars, but I hate waiting. So he gave it one star because it scared his children, who, Which, by the way, are his profile picture on Amazon, and they are small children. It scared his kids, and he's got to wait for the sequel, so he's given it one star instead of five. This guy showed his kids it. These kids are going to grow up to be the new Zodiac. <laughs> he showed his kids it. Plural. I love Stephen King, and I love horror movies, and I saw it in the cinema, and I crapped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so don't take K-Mate for oh you know I always click on like I wonder what else they've reviewed just out of interest yeah. and it's not always funny no. a lot of the time on Amazon.com no. it's like this version of the Bible is amazing and I'm not doing that that's a bit of a cheap gag um, 
but yeah. So, um, last one, CNE, um, May 18, interesting review, interesting, but never solved, one star. So because they didn't catch him, in real life, He's got it. they've given the film one star. Seems a bit mean. So there you are. As always, idiots on the internet. I love that one about, I showed it to my kids, they were really scared. Ooh, my two-year-old did not appreciate the scary <laughs> clown movie. That makes it a good horror film. I watched this film and I was really scared and I don't like it. Well, all right. So there you go. So watch Zodiac, but not if you're like a small child. Mostly because you'll be or bored more than anything small else. Children. They'll be bored. There'll be some awkward questions. Sorry? There'll be some awkward questions. There will be well. some awkward questions, yeah. That's true. So what's he wearing around his head? He's got a bow tie, son. <laughs> I thought they were, <laughs> they the thought they were famous thing. in the 70s. I was about to say exactly the same thing. Perfect. So there you have it, a body count that's not quite as inflated as the killer would want you to believe. A director firmly in control of his art. Quite. And that's Zodiac. Boom. And that's Zed. That's it. You really wanted to add dramatically on, and that's Zodiac, didn't you? I was trying to. And I've wrecked it, yeah, haven't yeah, I? It's fine. I've wrecked it, yeah. That's Zodiac. Histories of ages past. Light and shadows cast Down through all eternity The crying of humanity Tis then when the hurdy gurdy man Comes singing songs of love So there it is, after 26 months Two international podcast awards 52 hours of content And over 10,000 downloads We've decided that the band is splitting up no, no, we're not. We, we are going to take a, a small break to rework some elements. There will be no new episode in March. I will have a new co-host. Although, <laughs> and <laughs> of course Rob, we'll have a new call him something else. <laughs> My name is Steve. <laughs> oh, wow. This is the person Hello. hearing this new persona. I do the podcast with you. Oh, he has the feel of racism. <laughs> really, what you race is You can't nail it down, but he has yeah. the feel of racism. <laughs> um, there may be a small surprise to keep you all entertained as we go through March, and we'll return in April with a reworked, brand new format. Oh. A new release schedule. Oh. But importantly, we're keeping all of the we're drunk and we know things elements that you have come to love. Sorry, love. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you all in a couple of months. Baby! <laughs> I wasn't gonna do I love you. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You think that'll work? So we've only done this 25 times previously. 50 times, technically. Because I have to remember to take the headphones off, otherwise yeah, yeah. I talk like this. Yeah. <laughs> Both quiet and camp. I was going to say, that's weird <laughs> that the headphones make you sound so camp. Beer, waking people up for seven months. I don't know. Ooh, that is quaffable. A lot more bitter than the last one, but I like it. It's not bad. What is I it? Must say, uh, uh, Northern Monk IPA. Brewery from Leeds. Really? Okay. Well, that's funny, actually, because uh, John... The other bar that we're going to, that we've been to, oh, uh, oh. all, their, all their breweries are from up north, so interesting. They now make beer. Well, yeah, and not just milds anymore. The north is not just mild. It's fucking freezing. 